0: I've had back surgery and stuff. Every once in a while, I uh, have a day where my back is just tired. So I'm going to sit on a stool to preach today. Jesus sat and the and uh, So parts of the Christian faith are, are legalistic, but you have to sit down. The You're not doing it like Jesus did. I don't get caught up in this kind of external similarities. Um, you just try to be like Jesus did from the word, but today I'm gonna to sit down and preach because of, um, my back already feels tired like I did something that I haven't done um, yesterday <laughs> <laughs> or no, today. I don't know why it feels tired like so, um, today's sermon is entitled Endure Through Suffering. We're gonna revisit a passage that we visited uh, recently. We're studying through the letter of Second Timothy and we're gonna be again today in Second Timothy chapter two verses eight through thirteen. And like I have been doing throughout this sermon series, there's going to be a numerous other scripture references that I'll either refer to and or read. Uh, so in your bulletin, it's a place to take notes, so I encourage you to, if you need to, to write those down and read all the scripture passages later, uh, let the Lord, the Holy Spirit continue to speak to you through His word. Let's begin by reading 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13 Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. The word of the Lord from 2 Timothy 2, verses 8-13. Theodicy, G-H-E-O-D-I-C-Y. Theodic. The dictionary definition is an explanation or a defense of the divine attributes of God, particularly holiness and justice in allowing the existence of physical and moral evil. In other words, if God is good, why does evil exist? If God is good, why do bad things happen to good people? Very serious questions. That have endured across the existence of
1: humankind on earth. Back in 2008, uh, a Hollywood actor, James Wood, wrote an essay for the New Yorker magazine on why he could no longer be a Christian. He listed it as his number one reason the natural evils that humans have to endure. And then he described what some of those evils included. Uh, and it included a recent earthquake in China, the a tsunami that hit Japan, a
0: tornado in Alabama, a flood in Colorado, and a famine in India. And he also cited the evils that humans inflict on each other.
1: And He decided to shipwreck his faith and walk away from it because he wouldn't accept that God is good and these things happen. Every person here, all of us, each one of us could list their own tragedy. The aging parent who's in their declining years. The promising co-worker who is suddenly disabled or the teenager whose life and potential would cut short. Lucy and I were born and raised in southeast Arizona, and close to
0: where we were raised is Graham County, Arizona. Two days ago, last Friday, a van belonging to the First Southern Baptist Church of Pima, Arizona, had 13 people in it on the way home from an activity in the next town over at Eastern Arizona College. The van left the road and rolled, And three of those 13 passengers, all of them teenagers, died in the accident. One of the oldest accusations against God is the claim that there's too much human suffering. Today, our world believes that the pain the average person has to endure is unjustifiably too much. So, 12 years ago, James Wood turned his back on the church because of the suffering that God either caused or allowed. Also, uh, 2008 is now 12 years ago, and James Wood's choice to quit the church, I don't know if you've noticed, but it hasn't wiped the evils of the world away. They have continued fact, they roar on. And 12 years later, James Wood has had the opportunity to learn, like every dissatisfied person since the beginning of time, that the rejection of God does not diminish evil. Sometimes, like in Russia and Germany, and I could name a bunch of other places, including the United States, if I'm going to be honest, the rejection of God actually increases suffering. Also back in 2008, Michael Novak wrote a book titled No One Sees God. And he wrote it after a friend of his daughter volunteered a year of her life to serve the poor in Haiti. But she was so dismayed at their inexplicable suffering that she abandoned her faith in Christ.
1: What we need to embrace is the normalcy of
0: suffering. Jesus himself said in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I refer to that If you've attended here regularly, this is not the first or second or third time you've heard me cite that passage. Um, That passage, those words of Jesus recorded in John 16, 33, are profoundly hopeful in my life. Um, In this world, we will have trouble. It's good for me to know that Jesus knows because this trouble is not because God is inattentive this trouble is not because God doesn't care but take heart not that like
1: because I've read that passage of, all the troubles gonna go away but take heart because Jesus has overcome the world we still have to live in this fallen world we still have to live with trial and tribulation of, of any kind We
0: are promised by Jesus that we will have trouble, but he ends with, take heart. In the midst of trouble, yours and and that which you witness in the world, take heart. Why? Because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. In every section of this building on a Sunday morning and on every row here in this sanctuary today, are faithful Christians who silently sit in the midst of suffering. And I know that you're here today for a boost of encouragement. You can know that I'm here today for a boost of encouragement. I'm looking to fuel up in this time of worship so that in the coming week I can follow Jesus faithfully. God doesn't relieve every wound, he doesn't, but he does provide the strength to endure through it. Tough times never last, but tough people do. And there is a way to be sensitive to Christ and sensitive and loving toward your fellow humankind to be tough in the midst of the suffering of this world. We're in a series from 2 Timothy that's called Living in the Last Days. This is Paul's last letter that we know of that he ever wrote. And he wrote it to Timothy, a young preacher. He reminds us in this letter, in the last days, perilous times will come. What we need in the last days are Christians
1: who So, what might be some of the reasons for our suffering? One reason for our suffering is because we're living in a world contaminated by sin. We're living in a world contaminated by sin. Contrary to public opinion, God does not cause everything that happens in your life. God created Adam
0: as a free moral agent, free to choose, to serve and obey, free to choose to go another way, and disobey. When the serpent approached Eve, she was not obligated to listen to the serpent or to follow the serpent's suggestion. When Eve offered the apple to Adam, he was not compelled to follow sin. We are reminded in the New Testament, in the letter of James, chapter 1, verse 14, "But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So when man chose to sin, and in the first man, the first woman, humankind was now affected by sin, he released
1: the forces of evil onto the world in a way that hadn't happened yet. Every day, you and I have to live with the fallout of Adam's sin. In all kinds of ways. Germs of viruses. Prey upon our children. Bees grow in our garden. I love the landscaping. Around my house. But if I could spend
0: no time. weeding all those flower beds. I would. The same. Our bodies decline. Our society. Attacks each other. There is no such thing as a protective bubble that exempts us from the harsh realities of life the rain falls on the just and the unjust scripture says and i'll add sometimes it's acid rain god notices when a sparrow falls to the ground but it does not say that god causes the sparrow to fall there are things that are allowed to happen that god didn't manly force to happen the second reason we suffer is because we experience the consequences of our own bad choices. We are free to choose, We're free moral agents before God, free to choose, and we will experience the consequences of our freely chosen choices. The Bible teaches us that we reap what we sow. The Bible also teaches. Be sure your sin will find you out. An older woman got pulled over for speeding. The officer approached her car and said, Ma'am, can I see your license? The woman replied, My license was revoked for drunk driving. The officer said, Well, let me see your vehicle registration. The woman replied, I don't have one. This is a stolen car. The officer said, Whose car is this? The woman said, I'm not sure. I put his body in the trunk. (laughs) The officer said, wait right here. He slowly backed up to call for reinforcements. When the second officer arrived on the scene, he approached the car. and said, ma'am, please step out of your vehicle. The woman replied, is there a problem? The officer said, I was told this is a stolen car and the owner's body is in the trunk. The woman said, you think an old lady like me killed someone? The officer said, why don't you open the trunk for me? The woman opened the trunk, but it was empty. So the officer asked, is this your car? The woman said, yes, here's my vehicle registration papers. The officer said, my superior said, you don't have a license. The woman replied, here, look for yourself.
1: The stunned officer said, ma'am, I apologize. My superior said, you didn't have a license or registration and that a body was in the trunk. Woman replied, I bet that liar told you I was feeding too. <laughs> he handed her back her license and papers and said, You're free to go. Have a good
0: day, ma'am. Um, real life is never that easy, is it? My wife can cry her way out of the ticket, but no, uh, that's
1: yet to happen in my life. Real life is never that easy. We do reap what we sow.
0: Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. The third reason we suffer is because we follow our Christian convictions. In the Old Testament, Joseph was thrown into prison because he rejected the advances of Potiphar's wife. Some reward. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he continued to pray instead of following King Nebuchadnezzar's edict. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13. Dear friends, did not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Hear that reverberate throughout the New Testament. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trials of many kinds, but be a good cheer, I've overcome the world. Peter tells Christians, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. you." Jesus said, in this world you will have trials. Peter said that when the fiery ordeal impacts our life, don't act like it's something strange happening to you. And he goes on to say, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Jesus said, be a good cheer for I will overcome the world. Peter says rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Jesus has overcome the world. He's coming back. His glory is going to be revealed. It reverberates throughout God's word in the New Testament to expect and accept suffering as part of being a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke about it. Peter spoke about it. And in 2 Timothy, Paul is speaking about it. Evidently, God wants us to hear this. He repeats it in His Word so that we have continuing opportunities. Sometimes Christians suffer because we wear the name of Christ. There is unspeakable suffering going on overseas. There are parts of Turkey, Syria, Lebanon. Christians die horribly because of their faith. There are wide swaths of the nation of Nigeria and Africa where today Christians die. They, they come in on Sunday morning during the church service and kill the pastor, break the women and take the children off into slavery and then burn the place down. I mean, because of their faith in Christ, sometimes Christians suffer because we wear the name of Christ. Peter tells us, do not be surprised. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul tells us to endure. Endure. What about the experience of Paul? Paul's suffering came from basically three sources. First, Paul was abused by non-believers, those who do not accept faith in Christ. And that doesn't surprise us. You know, it's happened in every generation since Paul. It's happening today. We expect some non-believers to treat us this way. When we read in Acts, in in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, we learn that pretty much everywhere Paul went, he received a violent welcome from non-believers. Paul informs us, today's passage, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Nero accused Paul of being a subversive threat to the state. He was arrested publicly, tried and convicted. And As Paul writes this letter, he sat in a dungeon cell in chains waiting on his date of execution. One of the most difficult experiences of life is to be treated unfairly by the world in all kinds of ways. You work hard at your job and then you sit silently and watch the owner's lazy son get the promotion that you think you deserve. You get audited by the IRS and pay more taxes because you're honest. And then you watch your crooked neighbor seemingly beat the system. Sometimes... Christians forget that we're living on this earth, which is Satan's domain. Life isn't fair on this planet. Cheaters prosper. Sometimes nice guys finish last. And sometimes, many times, dishonesty seems to pay in spades. So don't forget the ultimate day of reckoning that is coming in this world the wicked will treat you unfair it's not unusual on this planet it is the nature of fallen people to be sinful and our enemy satan is working overtime to abuse your good name second paul suffered because he was neglected by believers it's one thing to suffer at the hand of unbelievers, but when the suffering comes from those who should be supporting you, it's hard to take. It's hard for Paul. Paul reminded the Roman church
1: about the evil surrounding them. Romans chapter one, verse thirty. He describes these non believers, they are gossips, slanderers, god haters, insolent, arrogant, compulsive. They invent ways of doing evil. Paul was on the receiving end of the world's viciousness, but he was also on the receiving end of the neglect of the church. Paul was the greatest
0: apostle of his day. You'd think that Christians would line up to visit him or that his mailbox would be filled with thank you cards. But he says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 15, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 16 he says, at my first defense this first court appearance because of this charge from Nero, at my first defense no one came to my support but everyone deserved it I just want to tell you that Paul was not wallowing,
1: wallowing
0: in self-pity no he was merely stating the facts he stated them plainly but he didn't just dwell there and it didn't shipwreck his faith or reduce his effectiveness in serving Christ. The fact is that those that should have stood beside him had fled. One of the most disillusioning experiences of this life is being let down by Christian friends. Paul suffered physically because of the world's abuse and he suffered emotionally because the church Third, Paul endured because of the example of Christ. Paul told Timothy that he was suffering like a common criminal. 2 Timothy 2 verses 9 and 10 he goes on to say, but God's word is not changed therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. With nothing to do Nowhere to go, chained to the wall of a dungeon prison cell. Paul made good use of his confinement in his time. He wrote what we call the prison epistles, the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And we could add to that the letter that we're studying now, 2 Timothy, though most scholars listed under What are called the pastoral epistles because Paul is giving advice to a pastor. The point is that Paul's Roman chains did not stop the advance of the gospel. That's really important to realize in the midst of our own suffering, however that manifests. Friedrich Nietzsche was a German philosopher who once wrote, he who has a why bear almost any how. So what's your why? What's your why for good? Paul endured because he saw a purpose to his suffering. Imagine that. Just one more thought about Paul's reason for enduring. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David, next time you're tempted to quit remember two facts about Jesus first Jesus rose from the dead he's got some power Um, his eternal nature is called his divinity Jesus lives forever whatever Satan does to us on earth God will overcome second Jesus descended from David. That's Jesus' humanity. Not only is Jesus all-powerful, eternal in nature, Jesus experienced all the things of life you and I experience. So he knows, not hypothetically, not theoretically, he knows by personal experience what it is to suffer through life as a human. So what's the exhortation to us? An exhortation is an encouragement or a command or a call or a vision of what we do in light of this knowledge. The exhortation to us, beginning in today's passage of verse 11, Paul quotes a familiar first, first century refrain, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Here's a trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. The Christian lives with three possible outcomes in this life. One, if you die to sin, you have a promise of life. So follow Jesus. Accept his forgiveness, accept the only forgiveness that can ever be provided for the separation between you and God that is caused by your sin. If you die to sin, you have the promise of life. Two, if you endure through suffering, you will live with him in glory. Tough times never last, but tough people do endure. If you endure through suffering, you will live with him in glory. We can't even begin to wrap our minds around to fathom what eternity means. But by faith in Christ, we can live with him in glory forever. And third, if you disown Jesus, he will disown you. Um, There's great freedom in that. You and I control the outcome. We are free moral agents. We are free to choose to live by faith in Jesus Christ, accepting that we are sinners, accepting that we are separated from God by our sin, accepting that Christ has provided the sacrifice and reunites us with God in this life and forever. We are free to choose. You and I control the outcome. In 1957, Willie Shoemaker thought he'd won the Kentucky Derby. He was riding a horse
1: named Gallant Man. And in the excitement of the moment, he celebrated too soon. And before the finish line,
0: he stood up in the stirrups. And the horse, Iron Lease, with his rider, raced past Willie Shoemaker and his horse. And won because he endured to the end, remember to finish the race. <laughs> Tough times never last. Endure, endure. And again, I want you to hear the words
1: of Second Timothy chapter two verse thirteen: If we are faithless, he remains
0: faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Some think that in spite of our speech or our actions or our behavior or our choices, God will save us anyways. That he loves everybody and love demands and he saves us even if we never acknowledge him express faith in, him in this life. That's not what scripture tells us. That's not what Paul says. He remains faithful. God remains faithful. If we choose to disown God, He remains faithful. An example of what that looks like is the prodigal's father in Luke chapter 15, who allows his son to reject him and to squander all his good gifts in sinful living. God is faithful to his character. He cannot disown himself. He gives us free choice, and he never impedes that or prohibits that you have a choice, I have a choice. What else did the prodigal the father do? When the son came back in true repentance and confessed his sin, the father accepted him back into his life. So, God remains true to his character in giving us true freedom in his It's true to his character when he provides forgiveness for those who come back home. Much faithful to his character, he cannot disown himself. Like Adam and Eve, we are still free moral agents, to able to choose and personally responsible for the consequences of our choices. God is always there to help us to the fullest. Extent that we let him to help us choose well. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 said, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He also provides a way out so that you can endure. You're not alone in enduring and suffering. So, very quickly, three lessons to remember. You to remember these three things. First, suffering is a part of life. So expect it. If things are going well, enjoy it because that's not the norm. In the Old Testament, the book of Job, chapter 14, verse 1, mortals born of woman are a few days and full of trouble. I find that hopeful. They know. God knows. If Jesus was crucified, if Paul was stoned, if Joseph was imprisoned, you will suffer too. And second, suffering is temporary. Boy, it sure doesn't feel like it sometimes. (laughs) Suffering is temporary, enduring. Tough times never last. They're temporary. When the moments of despondency due to suffering occur, you need to remember that one day you'll laugh again. One day you will laugh again.
1: It may not happen until Jesus returns and he wipes away every tear, as
0: it says in Revelation chapter 21. Are you okay with that? So, because that's eternity which is a lot longer than the period of my suffering successful people don't have some extraordinary gifts that are available not available to the rest of us they just refuse to lose they keep getting out of bed in the morning they show up for work every day they pray for revival at noon every day they evangelize they tie remember your pet Pray, evangelize, time. Did you exercise your path this week? You read the Bible every day. And third, suffering can advance the gospel. So use it. Oh, Timothy. I'm being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Paul understood that there could be purpose and redemption and salvation through his suffering. You may have heard of Johnny Erickson Tata, an advocate in the disability community. She was paralyzed as a teenager in a swimming accident. She was in the, in the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland, and she rolled off of a floating thing. I think it's the technical term for it. And, and uh, she rolled off into the water and, hit, and it was shallower than she thought. She hit her head and broke her neck. The rest of her life went from an active athletic life to being paralyzed. quadriplegic. In, in one of the books
1: she's written, she says she was frightened that first night in the hospital after that happened when her parents left to go home. What she didn't know but soon discovered